Take your Bibles, everyone, and turn with me to the book of uh, 1 John, the fourth chapter. As we read together um, a text, a, a theme for the message, when one man rules the world, there's coming a day when one man will rule the world. It's been tried before. It's been attempted. There have been those who've come claiming to be Christ, claiming to be the Messiah. They've gone, they've gone by the way of the grave, and none of them proved to be the one who could rise from the dead with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see the reason for the resurrection, the power that's in uh, the, the, the work of Christ and the resurrection uh, from the dead. And so, and so there are many that have tried and uh, many have attempted to rule the world. It's been tried by world leaders, it's been tried by uh, dictators, but no one's been able to accomplish such an incredible feat. However, there will come a day after the, rest, after the rapture of the church when the church is taken from this planet uh, and, um, the, um, <clears throat> and the, the, uh, the folks who remain are, 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 are dropped and, and uh, vanished into incredible hardship and difficulty as the great tribulation begins. Let me do something here this morning. I want to just take a moment and draw you a timeline that I think might help you a great deal. If I can keep all this together in my little mind here, let's see how we can do it. <clears throat> All right, here's the timeline. You understand that we are currently in a dispensation or a, a time frame known as the church age, or the dispensation, also called the dispensation of grace, because it was the cross of Calvary and his subsequent uh, ascension to the throne of his father after a 40 day period of walking on the earth. It was right here that the dispensation of grace began. And so we're living in a wonderful time. We've lived in a, in a glorious 2,000 year period now uh, where God has responded to us as in grace. It reminds me of the story of the little boy that, that was saved after falling into a freezing creek. And he was, he was drowning, but a man jumped from the bridge, took the little boy and helped him out of the water. Then a few years later, the little boy's life had, had gone the wrong direction. He'd gotten himself in trouble with the law and was facing uh, judgment by a judge. He had been found guilty of some crimes and the judge was about to sentence him. And as the little boy walked up, or the, the grown boy now walked up to the bar of the judge, he looked at him and said, I recognize you. And the judge said, yes, yes, I'm a little older than the last time we met. He said, well, you're the, you're the man that jumped in the creek and saved me when I was a little boy. He said, yes, that's true, son. He said, well, surely you'll save me today from the, crime, from the penalty of my crimes. And the judge looked over the bar and took his glasses off. And his hair was a little grayer and his face a little more wrinkled than it was previously. And he said, son, when I pulled you out of that creek, I was your savior that day. But today I'm your judge. Now listen, Jesus came 2,000 years ago as our savior. But he, there will come a day when he will judge the planet. He will judge those who remain after the rapture of the church for their failures. He will judge them for their sins. He will judge the nation of Israel. He will judge the, the Jewish people. He will judge all the nations of the world. All unbelievers will come before a great white throne judgment and, and uh, it will be determined whether their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life or not. So the, this wonderful dispensation that we know of began here and has continued now, as I said, for some 2,000 years. No one knows the, the day or the hour that the next event is going to occur on God's timetable. I don't know, you don't know. Many have tried to predict and guess and so forth, but it's a time called the rapture of the church. 
Now, the rapture of the church, can, as I mentioned, can, could happen at any given time, any moment of time. It could happen right now. It could happen tomorrow. I believe it's imminent. I believe every prophecy has been fulfilled so that the rapture of the church is next. It's imminent. It is on the threshold. Now, God has his own time. No one knows the day or the hour. Jesus said not even the Son of Man knows the day or the hour, the Father himself. But there will come a time where the Father will say, that's it. My grace has been extended as far as I possibly want to extend it or can extend it in my, in my judgment. You see, what we're saying here is we're serving not only a loving God, not, a, not only a God of mercy and grace, but we serve a God of justice. We serve a God because he is just, he must judge the sin of man. You see, the Bible declares that in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. So in other words, after you've served your whole life, now listen to me, somebody who's watching this video this, this morning or this evening, whenever you're watching, you need to hear what I'm about to say, but after you have served your entire life and you've served the devil, I mean, you've lived as wild and carefree as you possibly can, and because you and I both have a sinful nature, and I have been, uh, I have pleaded guilty and I have been born again, so I don't have to worry about my sinful nature. I'm going to, to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven. However, you, my friend, you have lived your life for Satan. And at the end of your life, your taskmaster gives you your wages for serving him and the wages of sin, the wages of servitude, the wages of bondage, the wages of addiction, the wages of serving Satan are death, eternal separation from God. So God must judge the world. He intends to judge judge the world. He will judge the world in what's known as the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation will take a, a seven-year period from the time of the rapture. Now, you have to understand, not everyone is going to be with the Lord in the rapture. You have to understand, not everyone is going to heaven. <laughs> um, oh, well, preacher, do you believe he went to heaven? Well, my question is, was he born again? He said, Jesus said that no man comes to the Father but by him. He said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes except through Jesus. So if you've been born again, you're gonna to go to heaven. If you're born again and still alive, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are gonna rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So you'll go with us in the rapture. I, pardon me for the, for the incredibly beautiful artwork that you're seeing here. It's the best I could, I could do. So, so we've got, uh, let me write what this is here so you'll know. This is the ascension. All right, the ascension of Christ here. This is the rapture of the church here. This is perhaps as many, no one knows exactly the number, perhaps as many as two billion people worldwide. I want you to think about that. In an instant of time, I mean, with the, just the, 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 the flash of, of an eye, the twinkling, the Bible says, of an eye, the length of time it takes for your brain to realize what your eye has just seen, that's a twinkling of an eye. And in that instant, there are going to be two billion of us around the world who will disappear. For instance, if it happened right now, uh, I hope and pray that everyone in this room would go with me. If you're not sure where you're going, I could talk to you about that after service. 
I intend to, and I'd be more than happy to help you. But I, I'm going to be gone. I said, I'm going to be gone at the moment of the rapture. Uh, my, my, my pretty blue jacket I wore for you today, it stays here. <laughs> it just, just drops to the ground. These eyeglasses that I had to start wearing a few years ago just to kind of help my ancient eyes to be able to see a little bit more properly, they're not going either. They're falling to the ground. I'm telling you, hearing aids and, and, and dentures and, and braces and everything else that we've got on, our body is staying here. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus. We're going to be changed. Uh, Paul put it this way to the Corinthians. He said that in, in this twinkling of an eye at the, at the last trump, the mortal is going to put on immortality, the perishable, okay, the old perishable Mickey that's been aging now all these years. And, uh, and is, getting age, is getting older day by day. I'm telling you, there's coming a day when the corruptible will put on incorruption and we shall be changed. We shall be like him. We shall be in a, a, a glorified state and we shall go to be with the Lord Jesus and uh, all the things we leave behind, I'm leaving them behind for the folks that didn't make it. Now, I don't know about this beautiful building out here, what they're gonna do. I kind of think that people will be pounding on the doors the moment after the rapture. The day after the rapture, people are going to be crying and screaming and let us in. We, 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 we want to be saved. We want to know God. They've missed it. They've missed that opportunity. If you miss the opportunity that you have, then you will spend the next seven years in this particular time frame. This is called the great tribulation or the wrath. Uh, let's see. Jacob's wrath, it's called also. The wrath of God will be poured out on uh, a, a, an unrepentant, uh, unregenerate, lawless society. Now, there will be religious leaders there who, who don't make it in the rapture. People who have gone to school, determined that they were going to be a minister of some sort, uh, a priest, an imam, uh, a, 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 something like that. And so they studied uh, a rabbi, and they, so they studied the scriptures, and they learned all they could possibly learn, and they did all the, they, they passed all of the courses, and they were awarded a, a, a certificate, and they got a job pastoring a church somewhere, or leading a denomination, or uh, the rabbi over, over Jewish people, or an imam over Muslim people, or a priest over Catholic people. I'm telling you, there are gonna be thousands of religious leaders who miss the rapture. Well, well, wait a minute, preacher, that doesn't sound right. I thought surely all the preachers were gonna go. No, not necessarily. It's not about what you studied. It's not about what you know. It's not about who you know. It's about what have you done with Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I'm amazed at the people that I meet through the years who lead Sunday school classes in churches here in this town or they're deacons in a church here in this town or they pastor a church. I don't know of any in this town, but anyway, they have, this, they have this religious leadership position, but are not born again. They're not saved. They're like Nicodemus, who was the very religious Jewish man who came to Jesus by night. And he said, good, good master, he said, what must I do to be saved? I mean, how can I, how can I have what you have? And Jesus said to him, he said, listen, you've got to be born again. And here's this, here's this grown man, so learned in the Jewish law, that, that he would have been able to quote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. That's how you got in one of the, one of the uh, requirements for uh, being in the, um, the Sanhedrin Council was to be able to quote all that scripture. He could do all that. He taught the Jewish law. 
He knew it forward and backward. And he said to Jesus, do you mean I have to enter into my mother's womb a second time? You see, he was thinking with his natural mind, the carnal mind. You see, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Neither can he know him because they are spiritually discerned. You must be born again. So once the rapture takes place and the great tribulation immediately begins, immediately begins, right after the, the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, the wrath of God, Jacob's wrath as it was. And you can read about it in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about some of that in just a moment. <clears throat> and so this, this period, this tribulation period will also come to an end, and when it does, it will be at the second coming of Jesus. You see that arrow pointing down? Well, this would be heaven. How many of y'all can tell that's heaven? You can see that? Is that good? Thank you very much. <clears throat> and so, <laughs> listen, I never claim to be an artist. I just, <laughs> so Jesus is coming in what's known as the second advent or the second coming. Now you say, wait a minute, pastor, I thought he already came once. Didn't he come at the rapture? Well, if you read it, he never touches the earth. He comes in the clouds of glory. We go up to meet him in the clouds of glory. He never touches the ground. The purpose for this coming is to catch away his bride, to take away the body of Christ, to take us away because we have not been destined for wrath. We, we, that wrath of God is not for the believer. Believers, we've already been tried and we've already been found guilty. Okay, and we've acknowledged that the wrath of God, the judgment of God was on Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. And so when I believe in the cross, when I believe in what Jesus did there, and I put my faith in that work, then he gives me justification. He gives me uh, salvation. He gives to me eternal life because I have trusted in him. He doesn't do it because I'm a good guy. He doesn't do it because I go to church all the time. He doesn't do it because I return tithes to him or give an offering occasionally. He doesn't do it because I'm nice to people. He does it because I have trusted in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, as the one and only source of salvation for all mankind. Hallelujah. So because I've done that, and if you've done that, we are going with him. I said, we are going with him. We are going with him. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now, I told you there's going to be about two billion or so of us who make this upward trip, this journey. And just as all of our, there'll be remnants of us, our, our clothing, our hair pieces. <laughs> we get to heaven, someone's going to say, I told you so. <laughs> no, 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 there won't be any of that. No, none of that. <laughs> Imagine everything left here, all the vehicles in the parking lot, they're just abandoned. They just sit there. Do you ever think about that? They just sit there. That airplane flying overhead right now, the, the pilot is a Christian. He disappears. Yeah, half the people in the seats disappear. The other half the people in the seats who are still there start praying and crying out to God. <laughs> the pilot's gone. What do we do? So around the world, two billion people or so, every nationality, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we're, we're taken up and we disappear from the earth. So what this does, this, this plunges the world into incredible turmoil. And so the tribulation begins with an unparalleled 
event, an occurrence that has never happened before on the planet. Never happened before. I mean, there have been cities that have had to be evacuated. Um, I know a few years ago there were some uh, cities uh, out on the uh, Illinois River here in Oklahoma, little, little towns, little villages, and the, they were going to have to release uh, some water from a dam. I forget which, which lake it was, Ten Killer or something. And um, they were going to have to open the dams because of the horrible rains that had just, just floods everywhere, just water everywhere. So we've got to open those floodgates. Everything's going to flood. And, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, that little, little town down the river was going to be flooded. It was inevitable. It had to happen. So they gave the people time to evacuate the city, get out of town, get everyone out of the city. And so they, that city was empty. Now, you can look on the bottom of many of these lakes around Oklahoma. If you, look, if you know where to look, you can find the remnants of little towns and cities where the lake has backed up and overrun a city, overrun a little town. I like to, up here on I-40 going over Eufaula, I believe it is, you used to be able to see a highway running down into the, into the water. I always thought that's so cool. We're driving by on I-40, look at that highway, just whoop, there it goes, it's underwater. Didn't used to be underwater, but it is. So they've been evacuated. But I'm talking about a mass evacuation of over two billion people. You won't need any helicopters. You won't need any uh, uh, vans for the nursing home. You won't need any ambulances for those who are in the hospitals because Jesus Christ is taking us and all of our illness and all of our aches and all of our pains, all of our sickness, all the disease. Come on, everybody, we're gonna be set free that very day for we shall be changed. When the Bible says we should be like him, Jesus doesn't have any of those, those ailments. We're gonna be like him. We're gonna be set free of all that and I'll spend the rest of eternity loving and worshiping and serving and working for him in, in that wonderful place that we know of. So about two billion or so will be taken in the rapture, which begins the great tribulation. Perhaps five to six billion people are left on the planet, but there are community leaders that are taken. There are uh, uh, firefighters with the cherry who are taken. There are uh, nurses and doctors that are taken. Uh, every, every striped flavor you can imagine, gone, gone. And no one seems to have the answer, it's chaotic. A man will wake up and realize his wife is not in the bed. He goes in there in the living room, she's not there at the kitchen, can't find her. Her car keys are still here, her purse, the car's still in the drive, she hasn't gone anywhere in the car. Where is she? Honey, where are you? Where are you? Where'd you go? Can't find her. That's, that scenario will be repeated by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. A little mother wakes up in the morning and can't find her baby in the crib. She shouts out to her husband, have you seen the, the baby? Where's the baby in the crib? And uh, the baby's gone. It's gonna be a horrible time for those who remain. It'll be a glorious time for us, but it's gonna be hell on earth for those who remain. And for the next seven years, uh, there will be a, an incredible time of judgment and tribulation. And during that space of seven years will be the total reign of a man known as the Antichrist. I told you a moment ago when I started that we were, uh, we've never known of one man ruling the world before, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the very near future. Go with me to the first, excuse me, first John chapter four. Let's read together um, verses one through four. Dear friends, this is the New International Version. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Everybody say many false prophets. Many have gone out into the world. The next verse, please. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Did you hear that? That's the litmus test for a true believer and a cult, a false teaching, a false doctrine, false spirit. Oh, trust me, there are going to be a lot of false teachers still alive on the planet after the rapture. I told you there's going to be a lot of religious leaders. There'll be a lot of them on television and the internet. It's like nothing ever changes. <laughs> it just, you know, lose a few people out of their congregation. Can't answer about that, but we're going to keep going. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. What I want you to see, when John wrote this 2,000 years ago, he said the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. It's already been here. Been here a long time. As long as Christ has been walking the earth, there's been an antichrist. There's been one opposed to. You see, the word anti means to be opposed to or to be in the place of. Two different uses of that word in the word antichrist. One is to, be, is to oppose. The other is to be in the place of, to take the place of. And so the antichrist is going to step in and take the place of Jesus Christ, or attempt to, the place of Jesus Christ to rule over these remaining five to six billion people on the planet. <clears throat> now read the last, the next verse, the final verse in the reading, verse four. You, dear children, are from God. How many of you are from God? Say amen. amen. And you have overcome them. Overcome who? The spirit of the Antichrist. It's not gonna overcome you. You've already overcome it. That one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen. So let me continue my timeline. This is like the everlasting timeline here, Daniel. This is only going to be a minute, right? Here we go. All right, we've gotten to the second advent. The question arises, well, now, I thought Jesus had already come uh, for, you know, had come back. I thought that was the, 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 I thought that was the second coming. I thought that was the second Advent. Well, it's part of the second coming, but there are two phases to the second coming. They're seven years apart. One is the beginning of the, the tribulation, which we don't know the time when that's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you something. You can mark seven years and put on your calendar if you're still on the planet and you want to do that. I don't intend to. I'll be in heaven. There are no calendars in heaven, but no watches. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And so, and so seven years later, Jesus Christ will return in what's called the second advent or the second coming, his second coming. Everybody there? Are you with me? So he, this is phase, you might say this is phase one and you might say this is phase two, but Jesus comes this time to catch his bride away, he takes us with him. Excuse me. He comes back for us. I should say that way. He comes back for us. The second coming, he comes back with us because we are coming with him. This time, he's coming not as a babe to be placed in a manger. He's not coming as some bloodied, brute, beaten, brutalized 
uh, man who's going to hang on the cross with the, with the crown of thorns on his head. He's coming back as king of kings and he's coming back as Lord of lords. John saw him as he wrote the revelation and he said, you know, I saw him and his, his robe was dipped in blood. Hallelujah. And when he spoke, there was, an, there was a, a weapon that came out of his mouth and it laid flat and killed all of his enemies, all of the enemies of Christ. All he has to do is speak a word. He didn't have to flash a sword. He didn't have to ask us to help him. We're behind him on white horses. Now, I don't know. I, I, whenever I preach on this, I always tell people I, I'm not much of a horseman, but I don't think I'm going to have any trouble hanging on, coming, coming this way, coming south or coming down from heaven. I don't think it's going to be a problem. He's going to somehow supernaturally glue me to the saddle or something. I don't know how that's going to work, but I know I'm coming back with Jesus. I know I'm coming back with Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, when he comes... He's going to, there will be fought the battle of Armageddon. Now, this is the final uh, battle of rebellion against God. I don't have that spelt right. Something's missing, either a G or a D. Uh, Armageddon, <clears throat> the final battle. However, Armageddon, I believe, is a series of battles. It's a campaign, if you will, of battles. It's not one final battle. I believe it's several battles. And I, I don't have time to get into all this right now, but, but let me write this scripture down for you. It's, um, it's Ezekiel 38 and 39. All right. Now, 37 will give you the, the valley of the dry bones, uh, the prophecy of Israel coming back together. But then 38 and 39 will absolutely list for you the nations who are coming against Israel in what's called the battle of Gog and Magog. All right. Now Gog is a is not a uh, is, is not a uh, it's not a nation. Uh, the word Gog does not stand for a nation. Doesn't stand for a principality. It stands for a man. It's a title. So the battle of Gog and Magog here is one of one of the battles that would be fought after the rapture. All right, and somewhere before the battle of Armageddon. So it's. It's uh, uh, five to six years, perhaps, before Armageddon. And there'll be other skirmishes and there'll be other attacks and, and, and silly people will keep, keep coming against Jerusalem and for some reason they just fail and some reason the wheels fall off their chariots and for some reason the sand gets in their rotors and they can't fly their helicopters and for some reason somebody flies over and bombs all of their airplanes before they get them off the ground. I'm telling you, it's fascinating when you study what God has done for the Jewish people in this last century, since 1948 when he made them a nation. They have fought battle after battle. They've been outmanned. They've been outgunned. But I'm telling you, God always takes care of his own he always protects his people. He'll continue to do so through the rapture, through the great tribulation, uh, through to the second advent. God is going to have a revival among the Jewish people. There's going to be a remnant. There's going to be something like 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Come on. When it looks the darkest, God always has a light. When it looks like all hope is gone, God always brings hope onto the scene and he'll take care of his people. He'll take care of those who trust in him and believe upon him. He'll take them to be with him also. But here's the thing, folks, I always, always, always teach this when I'm talking about these subjects. You don't want to try to serve God through the great tribulation. Now, don't get me wrong. If you find yourself where well, you've missed the rapture, then please, by all means, get right with God. If you're watching this video and this is like 
a um, couple of months after I preached it or a couple of years after I preached it and you're watching this, this video still here and you're watching it, let me just encourage you to turn to Jesus Christ. Trust in him now. Believe on him for salvation. Now is the hour of salvation. Don't wait any longer into this tribulation period. The reason I say you don't want to try to serve God is you don't want to try to get right with God in that time. Number one, you're going to have to take a mark in your body that's going to allow you to buy or to sell. It's going to absolutely uh, be a, 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 an emblem or a logo or, or a, uh, some, some sort of a token that says you are trusting in the Antichrist. And if you take the mark, then your life, your life is lost. There's no hope for you spiritually. You take the mark, you might as well go to be cast to the lake of fire because that's where you're going. Is that plain enough? So, so I don't want to try that. All right, here we go. Let's take a look at the screen. I have for you something I showed you last week, I believe it was. This is, I, I found this online. You can find it too. It's real simple. But for $109.99, you too can have your own cryptobionic implant. Um, they are, uh, let's see, two by 14 millimeters. A little cylinder that's two millimeters by 14 millimeters. That's pretty small. And it's injected into your body under the skin. And they recommend that you put it between your thumb and your, and your forefinger. Right there in that. Look at your hand, everybody. See that little fatty part of your hand? Nothing's happening there except a little fat. Some of y'all wish you could work that fat out and get it out of there. Well, you can't. The more you do this, the more muscle you get. That's why I got so much muscle in mine because I've eaten so many meals and worked the fork so much. <laughs> or the Carl. <laughs> but right there is where the chip is to be implanted. They recommend you implant the chip under your skin. Oh, by the way, you don't have to go to the doctor or the clinic. You can do it yourself. It's sterile. We'll give you instructions. We'll show you how to do it. You put it in a needle and you inject the chip under your skin. Now, um, this is next generation cryptobionics. In other words, this thing is so advanced that all the information about you that you, want to, that you care to put in that chip, you can have put in there. If you don't know how to do it yourself, you can find one of these 20-somethings that know all about the internet, know all about uh, computers. They're just amazing. And they'll help you. But you program all of your basic information into the chip and put it in yourself. Now, this, this shouldn't really startle us because people have been chipping their animals for years. We've been putting RFID, which is radio frequency identification, putting those little chips in a little puppy dog so you don't, so little puppy doesn't get lost. You can always track her down with your, your phone. Or if you run cattle, you may know a little bit about chipping cattle. Keep track of them. Uh, all sorts of animals, all sorts of, uh, of, of applications. If you've got a little child that likes to run off, <laughs> there you go. You chip the child. Chip the child, you can always find, you know, I mean, hey, it has so many wonderful applications. In, in the event someone were to kidnap your child, in the event someone takes your child and runs off with them, you have the ability now to, to trace them and track them down, and the technology is in place and has been in place for years. Say, so, Pastor, why are you talking about chips in the hand and so forth? Well, because the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about a, a mark that during the Great Tribulation you will have to take. In other words, if you miss the rapture, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I am too. If you're going to hell, number one, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. You know, you're going to go to hell, number one, or hell, number two, or hell, number three. Maybe I can scare you out of one of those. All right? But if you miss the rapture here, 
you will have to spend the next seven years with a chip, with a, I shouldn't say with a chip, with a mark on your right hand or in your forehead. A mark. Everybody say mark. Let's go in our notes to, um, let's see, Revelation, I think, Revelation 16. Do I have anything there? Probably going to have trouble staying with notes today, but that's all right. We'll just bounce around. We're here for the next, what, two hours? Yeah. How many with me? You packed a lunch. Anybody pack a lunch? We can always call out for pizza. What kind of pizza you like? <laughs> I used DoorDash the other day. It delivered something to our house. It's amazing. You've been doing that, haven't you? At your house, using DoorDash or HubGrub or GrubHub or something. All right, the beast. Okay, here we go. The beast. Now, we're jumping in here. Uh, we're Revelation 13. Okay, we're going to talk about the mark here. Can you guys tell by looking ahead for me? Ah, there you go. It's Revelation 13. My bad. Okay, it, this beast. I, man, there's so much scripture to talk about. If this thing is so overwhelming, it's hard to know exactly where to jump in. So, so I just hope I'm, I'm giving you something that you can live with, something that will help you. Say, so, Pastor, why are we talking about the Antichrist? Number one, the Bible talks about the Antichrist. In fact, the Antichrist is detailed and defined more than most people in the Bible. He has, there's more to find out about him in the Bible. He's more than a spirit. It's not just the spirit of the Antichrist we read about a moment ago, but this spirit will be embodied. It'll be embodied in the, in the, in the flesh and spirit of a, of a human, okay? It's not some robot, but a human. This human will be born, uh, I believe he's already born. I believe this human is already an adult. I believe this, uh, this, uh, this adult has either learned a great deal about leadership or will be learning a great deal about leadership. I believe this individual will be... Um, some sort of politician, some, some type of national or, or a leader. By the time the, the, the rapture occurs, he'll be ready to step in. He'll be ready to step in. When he steps in, he's going to make a, I'll give you all these scriptures in a moment, but he's going to make a, one of the first things he's going to do is make a treaty with Israel. One of the first things is he'll make a treaty with Israel, and Israel will have a, a, a communication with a number of Arab nations. For instance, if you read anything about the, the Abraham Accords, this is something that Donald Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, got pushed through in their four-year uh, administration. <clears throat> Excuse me. Israel has signed peace accords now with four more, <clears throat> four more of our Arabic nations, one of which being the United Arab Emirates. Uh, they now have, in these peace accords, they now are establishing diplomatic uh, ties. They're establishing economic concerns and they are having instead of being total enemies that want to kill one another they're at least working together on a number of fronts and it's very exciting it's very encouraging to me to see this happen because we're drawing ever closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus did you know this past uh, month was it this last month when Passover occurred Passover was held uh, in the United Arab Emirates in public for the first time ever the Jews who've been in the United Arab Emirates have been afraid they're in those seven nations uh, those nation states, most, you know, if you show yourself to be a Jew, you're, you're setting yourself up for great uh, persecution, perhaps death. But now Passover, they allowed Passover meal for the Jews, the Seder meal for the Jewish people together. They allowed that in public for the very first time ever. Also, United Arab Emirates in uh, the nation of uh, Abu, Abu Dhabi, 
uh, they have established uh, the, that they are going to be building, um, they're going to be building some, um, not a mosque, that's Muslim. They're going to be building a, a Jewish synagogue. Thank you very much. They're going to be establishing synagogues in uh, Abu Dhabi for the first time in history. All right, that's, what, that's going to be the work of the Antichrist. That's why I gave Jared Kushner a real going over when I was introduced to old Jared. Old Jared. Jared and his family bought a building at 666 uh, 5th Avenue in New York City. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. And uh, he is Jewish, Jared is, and he's brilliant, and he's got incredible favor with uh, world leaders. I mean, Donald Trump, Jared had never been a politician before of any sort. But he sent him all over the world to establish di diplomatic ties with numerous nations. And so Jared is an up-and-coming kind of a guy. Are you saying he's the Antichrist pastor? No, I really don't think he's the guy. But anyway, Kushner and Trump got these, uh, got all these, these uh, this Abraham Accord, which is a very interesting name, by the way, because the Jews and the Arabs, or the Muslims, rather, uh, have a, a common father, and that is, that's Abraham. Abraham was not only the father of, of Isaac, uh, who was the, uh, uh, who the progenitor of the Jewish people, but he was also the father of Ishmael. Ishmael was the head of the Arabic people, and most Arabs now in the world are Muslims. Not all Arabs are Muslims, but the majority of them are. And so out of, out of Abraham come these two great people groups. Out of Abraham come these two great religions, uh, the Hebrew faith and the Muslim faith. And of course, we as Christians have been grafted into the vine, as it were, into the Jewish people. And so now all three major religions of the world share Abraham. They share a common uh, denominator in, in Abraham. So the Abrahamic Accords made it possible then for these nations to come together and form diplomatic ties. And that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to continue. In fact, the, the, uh, the treaty that Israel signs will assure Israel that they have the covering of the, of the United, excuse me, of the European Union. All right, all 27 nations in the European Union will be in, in, in uh, linked with Israel for the first time ever. Not only will there be uh, Arabic nations who will be uh, in these accords with these treaties with Israel, but also the European Union, which tells me that this man who's coming to be the Antichrist probably will come out of the European Union. See, the European Union is made up of a number of nations, uh, some of which are the revised Roman Empire. There have been a number of empires that have ruled the world and uh, that have all been anti-Jewish. They've, they've conquered the Jews, they've mistreated the Jews, uh, they've enslaved the Jews, starting with, starting with Babylon and on down through Rome. And, and, and now the revised Roman Empire is what will rise next. And I believe the Antichrist was probably born in one of those revised Roman nations that's also part of the European Union. So I believe he will be um, of European descent. I don't believe he will have to be a Jew. After studying it out a little bit, people used to say, well, he's got to be a Jew. You know, the Antichrist has got to be Jewish because he, you know, I don't think so. I think it could go either way. Uh, but anyway, when he rises, he will be establishing this covenant uh, for, for seven years. Isn't that an interesting uh, uh, term? Some of the Abrahamic Accords are for 10 years. Uh, they've not signed a seven-year one yet. I'm watching. I'm looking. 
to see who signs a seven-year deal with Israel. That's going to tell me a, a whole lot because once the seven-year deal is signed, that's rapture time, baby. That is rapture time. Either, either it happens before the rapture or right after the rapture, but it's a seven-year treaty that says peace and safety. So Israel will disarm themselves to a certain degree. They'll never disarm totally, but they will take the, the finger off the button. By the way, Israel's got more nuclear weapons than you want to shake a stick at. They've got one of the greatest military might, military powers on the planet. That little tiny uh, strip of land the size of New Jersey, the population of New York City. That's all that, you know, in terms of size, but yet they've got the strongest uh, economy in the world. They've got one of the strongest military mights in the world. It's incredible how God has blessed the Jewish people. See, they were not even a nation in 1946 and 47, but in 48, May 14, today's May 2nd, May 14 will be the, the, the anniversary of the Jewish state coming to be and how God has blessed them. But the Antichrist will pretend to be their friend. He will pretend to love them and care for them and want to help them and offer this, the security and protection of the, United, of the European Union, which is about half the size larger than the United States, uh, which is much more uh, economically populous because of their, their size. They have all these nations, whereas we're just one nation. And he will say to them, uh, the European Union, we're your friends, and these, we're going to keep these Arab people away and all your enemies. We're going to, we're going to take care of you. So when Israel says peace and safety, the writer says, that's the time to beware. Beware, because at the middle point of the Great Tribulation, which will be right here, let's add a little color. Right here, the middle point, 42 months or three and a half years. Three and a half years, right here, okay? Right there is where the... Um, it, right there's where the Antichrist is going to break the treaty. He's going to establish himself as uh, the world leader to be worshipped. He will go into the temple. By the way, the third temple of the Jews is about ready to be built. Everybody say amen. That's not anything wonderful for us. We're never going to worship in that temple. It's, it's for the Jewish people. But it is a, a sign that we're close to the end of, a, end of the days. So the Antichrist will step into the temple. He will establish that there's no more worship. You will not worship your God anymore from this temple, period. And he commits what's called the abomination of desolation. I, I'm not sure if this is just coming into the temple and establishing himself as God or it's offering an animal on the altar. I'm not sure what all is involved in that. But I, I do know this. He will, he will declare that no one can worship any God but him. Somehow the, the switch has flipped. He has gone from this loving, uh, charismatic leader to a de demonic, demon-inspired uh, tyrant who will demand the worship of the world. Now, he's being empowered by Satan. In fact, if you go to the book of Revelation, you'll see there are three demons that are released from the pit of hell. And John said they look like frogs. I don't know why they look like frogs to John, but this is 2,000 years ago. They said these, these demons that look like frogs, the, 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 the uh, dragon, who's, who's Satan, used them to empower the beast, who's the Antichrist. He has empowered the beast with, demonically at the three and a half year mark, right here. This guy, if he hasn't already demonized, he is demon possessed right there. 
three and a half year mark. Now he wants to do nothing but kill the Jews and demand that Jews worship him and that everyone worships him. Why is that? Because he's satanically inspired. Satan has always desired the worship of mankind. That's it. That's why he hates you so much because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why he detests the church because we stand for righteousness. We stand for salvation. We stand for holiness. We stand for the, the good. Is that right? And we declare people can't be good except through Christ. Satan doesn't like that. So he empowers his man. His man takes over, establishes himself in the temple and begins to uh, demand worship of the world. Let me just quickly uh, give you this and then we're going to close. We're, we're at the closing point here. So, boy, I got more markers up here and I know what to do with. Markers, markers, markers. All right. <laughs> Marvin Rosenthal, uh, in an article called The Antichrist is Coming, states this about the term anti. He says, the Antichrist is coming, and he will be the enemy of the true Christ. Everything Christ stands for, the Antichrist stands for the opposite. Okay? The Greek prefix anti or anti means two things. One, it means against. The Antichrist is against Christ. But it also means in the place of in the place of Christ. That prefix describes perfectly the true motive of the false Christ. He will oppose Christ, therefore he will be against him. He will be a counterfeit Christ. And after all, every person who's left on the planet after the rapture here is not a believer. They don't have the spirit of Christ in them. So they will believe a lie. It's so easy to believe. It's so easy to be deluded. So, Anything this world, this cunning, crafty, charismatic, demon-possessed world leader tells them, they swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. They fall for it. And so, and so he has established then a one-world government. Now, it's not going to happen in the seven years he's the, that he's the, the bad guy. It's going to have to be set up. There's going to have to be an infrastructure for this already to take place, a one-world Government. I told you last week about uh, some of the uh, New World Order. If you look at the back side of your uh, dollar bill in that little seal that's above the, uh, the pyramid on the dollar bill, in Latin it says, or maybe it's below it, in Latin it says New World Order or One World Order. So the One World Order has been around in America since the 1780s when that seal was, was developed. Presidents, politicians, world uh, national leaders, have all fall for, fallen for the one world order. After all, it sounds so good. No more nations, no more borders. John Lennon wrote a song about it. Imagine. Imagine no more borders, no more nationalities. Imagine we're just all one. Coca-Cola wrote a song. They, they had a song out years ago about being one. How did that go? That was... Um, uh, it's the real thing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it was a commercial, wasn't it? <laughs> it's all about unity. They had these little children from all over the world holding hands and singing. You remember when Michael Jackson and everybody got together and did uh, We Are the World? Okay, that has been a theme of mankind ever since uh, the days of, uh, oh, what's his name? Nimrod, who built a tower called the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? Why did he build that tower? He built that tower so that, so that mankind could advance into a God state and they would, 
takes the place of the real God and true God. And, and it's all about humanism. It's all about man's uh, rights and man's abilities and so forth and so on. It's going to be so easy because there's already a, a, a globalist movement in place with, that is very well funded. Some of the richest men in the world are globalists. George Soros, billions and billions and billions. Bill Gates, billions and billions and billions and billions. Warren Buffett, I'm not sure, but probably, yeah, billions and billions and billions. These guys don't want borders. They don't want presidents and Congress and Senate and House of Representatives. They want a one world order where there's a small group of people that is ruling the planet because they're going to be part of that elite ruling class. And so, folks, listen, it's already here, but the, the Antichrist will, will establish it and will be in control of a one world government. There will also be in place a one world religion, which uh, will be uh, uh, put together uh, and under the leadership of the false prophet. I haven't said anything about the false prophet yet. My goodness. Here we go. There's going to be one world leader. There we go. You find that in Revelation 13, 7. Take a picture of that if you'd like to take it home with you. We're, we're out of time. But the goal of the new world order is one world leader. Here it is, the government. Oh, let me, I've got it in four different things. Okay. The leader, okay, number one. A government, number two. Religion, number three. And then finally, currency. One world currency. Oh, did I mention the chip that you put in your hand or your forehead? Did I mention you can put your bank account, all your banking information in that little chip? Never to lose another dollar bill, never to lose a, another check, never to have your credit card stolen, your identity stolen. In fact, back where we had the chip in the hand, can you flash that up for just a moment? There it is. Okay, the next slide, I think the next slide talks to you about, um, nope, it doesn't, wrong, I was wrong. Okay, what I got from this, this ad also had like four or five pages I didn't bother to bring them all here, but it says uh, uh, you'll never lose another credit card, or this is the last credit card you'll ever need. Uh, this is the last uh, door key you'll ever need. I never thought about this before. This is the last uh, um, automobile key, the key to get in your car. You have a little fob, you boop, and you can't ever find it when you go to Walmart, so you go boop, boop, like that. Okay, that's going to be in your chip. Um, everything you need, your medical records, there it is. Every Everything you need is going to be there. It's going to be so wonderful. No more money. Let's go with a cashless society. After all, we've got computers everywhere. We can, we can read and scan. We can, help. we can tell you what, what you've got in your account, and you can check it. Let's take the currency over, and according to Revelation 13 and something, um, go back there just another second. Um, the one where we had the one world, here we go. Uh, okay, let's just start there and we'll, we'll finish. He forces all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. What's the rest of that say? So that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Is there another scripture there, another verse? Or is that it? Okay, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, that number six, six, six. I know that people have tried for years to calculate that, that number. They've tried everything, every language, every, put it backwards, put it 
you know, all caps and all kinds of things. Um, and, and I think that's a lot of that is just really not necessary. I think if we spend that energy and that time getting to know the real Jesus, you see, we'll not fall for a counterfeit. If you know what a real dollar bill looks like and you're working in retail and you, you need to know when counterfeits are coming your way, or for instance, bank tellers, they know what a real uh, bill looks like so you don't have to, they didn't even test them with a counterfeit. They don't sit them down in a classroom and say, this is a counterfeit 20. Don't need to. They just say, this is a real 20. And when you know the authentic, you'll not be fooled by the counterfeit. Is that right? Amen. So we know he's coming. We know that's his number. We know that's the number of, of the man. Uh, we know that he has a name, that he has a number, and that he has a mark. Those are the three things we know about him. Uh, but the most important thing is we know who Jesus is. So I want you to take your time this next week, go through some of these verses we've given to you, um, study them out on your own. I'll be glad to send you all of my notes that I did not get into today because of the time, the timeline. But I wanted you to, I wanted you to get this. This is, this is so vital. This is such important stuff. I want you to get it. I don't think we have to worry about this now or this now or this now or this now. All of these will take place when, after the rapture of the church, when the, the tribulation establishes that great tribulation seven year period. And you'll know when it gets here because you won't be here. <laughs> we'll be somewhere else. Amen. All right. Stand with me, please. You've been very patient as I've gone a little long this morning. I really thought we could accomplish more and get further down the road, but it looks like we're going to have to tackle it again in another service or two. Father, we bless you today. We thank you, God, that you have made provision for our future. And as we study these scriptures and these facts and we, we try to ascertain what is to come, we're thankful, Lord, that this book is prophetic. We're thankful 28% of this book, the Bible, is prophecy. And you have put prophecy there to guide us and to direct us and to correct us and to keep us uh, living for you and serving you. And you've given us these, these abilities to see into the future, Lord, so that we can realize how close we are. And we can challenge our friends and our, our, our family. We can preach and prophesy and, and convince and get them saved. Oh, God, help us, we pray, to bring our loved ones to Christ in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.